You can now hear Tech Actually on Stitcher Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly on your iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, or WebOS device. The latest episode is always available for you. No syncing needed, no memory wasted. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Actually, episode 104 for the 16th of October, 2010. I am David McVeigh, and I am joined in studio by Josh Philpott. How are you? I'm fine, man. Very good. Okay. No, I'm not good yet. I need, <laughs> I need the rest of this ginormous can of Red Bull. I was about to say, don't sound too excited there. I have not finished the can of... How many times do I have to go over it? The battery is not charged yet. Okay, when the battery's charged... I'll be good. Oh, cool. Shane Gregory, welcome back. How are you? Very very well, thank you. That's good. Uh, I don't think he has had his coffee to go with his energy drink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's the problem. I thought I'd try and balance it out by having a huge can of Red Bull. (laughs) (laughs) If anybody's not watching this live, it's 473 mils. All right, so we'll put a disclaimer right at the head, which is if you we cut the camera for our live feed, if we cut the camera and Josh isn't in his chair, he's over in the corner making more coffee. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or I might be hiding behind this giant <laughs> can of Red Bull. <laughs> or his heart's exploded and he's on the floor. <laughs> okay, That'll never happen. Never happen. All right, what is this mess? All right, this is <laughs> this is Tech Actually, the official tech podcast of GeekActually.com. It's how we start our broadcast day. Uh, we do three podcasts on this network we start with tech actually we move into film actually and then we have an after show uh which is just kind of sometimes mayhem like last week i actually listened to show actually i actually re-listened i actually re-listened actually actually um no i re-listened to uh the after show during the week and i gotta tell you when we got on to the uh canned whole chicken mm. <laughs> uh i was actually laughing out loud because i we've had derailments on our shows before but that derailed us. Our chat room derailed us so badly with that we could not recover. <laughs> no, no, there, was, uh, there was no saving us from that. We were, we were well gone, dude. So it was, it was pretty good. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I do recommend those who uh, listen to this show and the Film Actually show, you should check out Geek Actually After Show sometimes because it is, there, is some, there is some madness to be had in that show sometimes. Yeah. First of all, we have uh, an email. Now, um, this email, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's actually a thesis. <laughs> And I will say it's from our very good friend and regular chat roomer, Delta Knight, uh, who couldn't join us uh, today in the Aww. chat room because he is actually doing tech support. Um, uh, apparently, he's traveling three hours uh, to spend the weekend at his parents' farm to help his dad with his new laptop. Um, uh, my dad's with a new laptop I helped her buy. Interesting. Dads and her? I don't know. Anyway, um, (laughs) we we will not judge grammar errors because I've made many in many times. I've even put them in the lower third sometimes. But anyway, the point is that he's actually sent us a bunch of links. Um, And those links uh, are – some of them are really good and I really like them. And he sent through a really funny cartoon, which we'll save to the end. Uh, But – 
rather than do all of his links up front, I integrated them into the story. So Delta, if you're listening to this, you'll know your links when we come upon them because some of them were really good. Um, and once again, as we said at the beginning of last week's show, we may have to recuse Shane uh, for a couple of stories because there are actually a couple of Apple stories. And as we said last week, he is an employee of Apple. So just in case when we get to those stories, you can join in if you want to, Shane, but we have yeah. to put the disclaimer that you are an Apple employee yeah. and that could color people's opinion. Okay. All right, sip of coffee and let's get started on this week. First of all, and once again, here we go straight into it, which is Apple. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I want to talk about this because um, I'm not sure entirely where to go with this, but let's see what you guys think and we'll open this for discussion and see if this makes any sense. And uh, the, the website GDGT or Gadget... Um, uh, Ryan Block's website uh, published a post this week uh, where they headlined it with antenna gate over is glass gate next for the iPhone 4. Now to explain what this is, um, I have an iPhone here and for the live listeners, I'll show you what they're talking about. For the audio listeners, you're just going to have to play along at home. Okay, now what it is, is on a slip-on case like this one I'm holding here. What the question is, uh, we all put our phones into nice slip-on cases like this, like nice leather cases and so on, to protect them. The argument here is, the speculation is, that these actually might be bad for your iPhone 4s. Um, now, the way that they're saying is, the act of slipping it in and out of the case is where the problem is. Um, the back is also glass, as the front is. And they're saying that if you get particles in your case, like bits of sand, grit, dust, what have you. Now, this has got a really nice suede inside of this case on this one. But they're saying if anything gets in there, when you slide your phone into the case, it might be putting micro-scratches on the back of your phone. Those micro-scratches over time become actual scratches, which become weak points. And then what could happen is while it's on your belt or in your pocket, because it now has weak points, it could shatter. Wait, wait, wait I've points. heard of this before. Um, oh, yeah? I've, yeah. I've heard of this before. It's it's called um, uh, erosion, and it usually <laughs> happens over centuries, well, right? They're, they're saying that it's actually uh, not happening over centuries. They're actually saying that it's happening quite frequently. Um, now, let, right. let's look at some facts here and, okay. and see and go. Now, first of all, I'm going to stress right up the front that I actually am not buying into this whole story. Okay. Um, first of all, they say uh, Apple's phone, something, something has sent Apple's phone engineers into uh, basically what they call the bunker for preemptive damage control. Now, let's stress that word preemptive damage control, okay? Uh, They're saying that um, uh, Apple, Ryan Block is saying, and he has contacts everywhere, he is saying that he has contacts within Apple, we're basically saying people have been made aware of this issue, Mm. and they are looking into it uh, to see if there is actually a problem here, Mm. okay? In the meantime, though, the Apple stores pulled all their slip-on covers. If you go into an Apple store, all the slip-on covers are gone. They just pulled them all off the shelf. In fact, at one point in America, I don't know what happened in Australia, but at one point in America, the only cover you could buy for an iPhone 4 in the Apple stores was their own little bumper. It's the only thing that was on sale. Wow. They literally pulled everything off, right? Now a lot of the cases are back, but apparently the slip-on cases are still mysteriously absent. And uh, so there is a concern that Apple thinks that there might be something here. Now, once again, concern, thinks, possibly, preemptive. All of these descriptive words are basically saying, we don't know if there is a problem here. 
Now, uh, it says here that uh, the reason why this has become an issue, according to Ryan Block, is the fact that it is bizarre to see so few iPhone accessories uh, in the Apple stores. It does say that there might be something there. They are saying that Apple is still stinging a little bit from the whole antenna gate thing. And so, of course, they're going to be ultra sensitive uh, to anything that could tarnish the iPhone name at all. Mm. And so you would think that they would want to look at this. According to this, it says, and I quote from his article on GDGT, Apple has apparently found that non-bumper style cases, specifically those that slide onto the iPhone 4, which are occasionally prone to particulate matter getting caught between the rear of the phone and the case can cause unexpected scratching that could quickly develop into full-on cracking or even much larger fracturing of the entire rear pane of glass. Okay, that is, and he says, he goes on in his article to say, internally I've heard the iPhone team has grown to be very concerned by this issue with slide-on cases. Now, question is, do you think Apple's next iPhone will not have a glass back? No. I think this (laughs) is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, and I just think it's so silly... I agree, and but it escalates, and this is why it's news. Because well, no, if it was because, just one report... Dude, no, because, I mean, I can completely understand why Apple would completely overreact to this, because I am still today getting customers come in and still saying to me, and it amazes me that we are at this point where it's like I'll pull out the iPhone 4 to do a calculation or to show them a particular application or something that'll work on an iPad or something like that, and they'll be like, oh, you've got the iPhone 4. You haven't had any problems with it yet. And I'm like, why would, have I, why would, I, why would I have had any problems with it? It's like, what possible problem do you think that it has? It's like people now have this belief that the iPhone 4 is broken. Hmm. And it's, I mean it, exactly like that. People immediately believe there's something wrong with it. They don't know what it is. They know that there was an antenna issue. They don't know exactly what that means. They just won't buy it because That's they right. heard yeah. that. And this is the problem, is that I can completely understand why Apple would immediately be like, don't let it get out of control. If this happens again, you know, the damage could be impossible to deal with. Absolutely. Uh, now, but why this is interesting is the fact that Ryan Block himself actually wrote a follow-up article because uh, obviously uh, this thing kind of went out of control. And so he wanted to clarify a few things. And he, once again, he uses all these words. Uh, here's one phrase. Ready for this sentence? The key word here being preemptive. Uh, he has another sentence here, which he says, likely in large part due to Apple working to prevent it from becoming an issue, you know? And you're right. This is exactly what you were saying. It's all about the fact that Apple is stung. Mm -hmm. Their flagship, their baby, this thing that has been like the savior of Apple, Mm. got tarnished with the release of this phone. Now, I got to say that that tarnishing was unfair to this phone anyway. The entire antenna gate, quote unquote, I think was a ridiculous issue to Mm. start with. I'm oh, sorry. Well, let me ask you a question, Dave. As both of us are iPhone 4 users and uh, neither of us got any sponsorship for this mm-hmm. from Apple, have you ever had a call dropout? None. Okay. Never had a call dropout. Okay. Have you ever had? Uh, have you ever been able to squeeze it hard enough to lose a bar? No. Oh, yes. Yes, I've been able to squeeze it hard enough to lose a bar. Have I been able to squeeze it hard enough to drop a call? Really? No. I've, I've never... I've oh, never I can make it happen either. right now. I can make it happen right now if you want to see it. It's actually very easy to do. If you hold the two... If you hold it in your hand and actually hold the two black line parts yeah. where the antennas meet you'll and hold it, it doesn't happen instantaneously, yeah. you'll actually see it start to 
start to drop bars. But here's the issue. The fact is, big fact, big factoid, the majority of technology users yeah. or technology journalists, the people who actually make the news, are mm. in San Francisco. Yeah. San Francisco has sucky AT&T coverage. Okay. Now, the issue with the bars dropping is an issue that affects all phones. If you can find the antenna on your phone, death grip that area of your phone, you'll make the bars drop. Yeah. Okay. It's a conductivity issue, right? It's a little bit easier to do on the iPhone because the antenna is external. But if you actually have one of those old Ericsson phones that actually has the nubbin, ant- nubbin antenna yeah. and squeeze that antenna, your signal will drop. Mm. It's as simple as that. The point is that our service here is much stronger. And so we can drop four bars and still make a call, right? If you're sitting on shitty AT&T service where you're only getting two bars anyway and you squeeze that thing, you're going to drop a call. You're going to drop a call even without squeezing it because bars fluctuate. And the bars don't mean anything anyway. You either have signal or you don't have signal. And the point is that signal drops happen on a crappy low level. Just go out, to the, right. just go out to the country where... Mm-hmm. And where the um, dishes are further, cell towers are further apart. And you know where you go out in the country and you actually have to stand on a hill to try and get a reception? And if you try and make a call there, yes, it does drop out in those situations. Every phone drops out in those situations. So all I can say is all of this beat up over the iPhone. And in this country, we got all the beat up. Everybody's saying, oh, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. Of course, we all start thinking, oh, it's not going to work. We get our phones and it goes, it works fine. What's your problem? <laughs> you know? And there was actually somebody who actually said there's a big rumor at the moment that the iPhone is going to Verizon next year. And, okay, they've rumored – this has rumor milled over and over and over and over again. But there is now substantial evidence pointing that this might actually happen. Hmm. And I actually listened to a tech podcast in America the other day, which will remain nameless. But I listened to them and they actually said, so if the iPhone goes to Verizon and it still drops calls – is that the final proof that it's the phone that sucks yeah. and not the AT&T service? And my argument is no, because what if you're in a shitty Verizon service? Exactly. You know what I mean? You can't, there is no direct correlation. You have to be able to put it against exactly the same bandwidth, match the two together, and see if it actually works. Damn. I don't know. In Australia, we're not having this issue with our phones. We can make the bars drop. Sure. We're not dropping calls. In fact, I've got to say, in all the time that I've been a mobile phone user, which is since the, what, mid-90s on digital mobile phones, I have never dropped a call. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I've had situations where I haven't had any service, and I haven't been able to make a call because of where I've been, but I've never dropped a call midway. Yeah. I don't know. It's just one of those things. It's what I sometimes wonder about the Americans, and you know, and I am an American, but the American services and what they are expecting from their phones. And I sometimes wonder you've got to break out of your bubble. All those people who are reporting on technology in San Francisco, break out of your bubble. Go somewhere where they have decent service and talk about it. Yeah. Or move your offices because obviously AT and T is not putting up any new towers. AT and T is a major player. You can't judge it on the service you're getting in San Francisco. Dude, that would be like um, that would be like talking about Netflix from a country with you know like yeah, a let's one review. gig a one gig maximum cap for internet. You oh, know, I, even better, like, even better than that. Let's talk about net. We, we should review Netflix. We don't get it in this country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or even better, imagine if we did get it now. 
it would be a service we wouldn't want to use. Yeah. It would be something we would be afraid to use because we would go over our caps. I was afraid so to use. So do you that... think we would review that positively? No, and I was, and I was really, no. I was really afraid. Quite frankly, when I first got my Xbox to start using the Xbox Live service, I will go as far as to say that it is an unfair thing for these people to even comment on it. Hmm. I think that they, I think that they should be completely uh, stricken from the ability to comment on anything relating to aerials or anything relating to... Unless you have good service exactly. that you if can you actually... If you don't have good service in your area, you have no right to judge service. And you can't sit there and blame the handset. And it sounds like we're Apple lovers here, but I just get frustrated sometimes well, when dude, they sit I, there and I, they go on and on and on no, about no, no. this. No, no, Dude, you know I am not an Apple fan, all mm. right? Like, I like the iPhone, but to be honest, I am a PC person. I like PCs, and I like the fact that they can do more than an Apple can. And you can feel free to try and challenge me for that. I will challenge you. Yeah, well, it's a debate for another day. Exactly. (laughs) But what I am going to say is I am not defending. I am standing in front of the people that are getting... like. It's like if you're in standing in the middle of a street and one guy is being beaten up by 100 people. It's like I will go and stand up for this person Mm. because it is an unfair argument. And I don't care if it was the wildfire or if it was an HTC phone or something like this and the same thing was happening... I would jump to their defense as well because this is just ridiculous. Absolutely. With the amount of things this phone can do, with the amount of ability that they've stuck in the phone, for the amazing level of just basically use that you can get out of this phone. And quite frankly, it's very, 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 very pretty too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I, the, front, the front of my um, screen is, uh, is scratched at the moment and that's due to a... St- customer who will remain nameless i hope she's not watching the show but somebody knocked it out of my hand it slid across the ground it hasn't changed my opinion of the phone now that it has a few scratches on the front of the you screen you have to ask yourself though if that happened to any phone it's going to scratch the front of the exactly. phone you know exactly so. and it's one of those things do i now write a piece saying that apple has screens that get damaged if i stand on it and run it across a floor it's like you know let's where put, do you want to stop let's put this into perspective here for a minute because this whole Glassgate thing then actually started to blow up and went into uh, mainstream media okay and this is where uh, it started to freak me out a little bit because you sit there and there was an article on news.com.au um, where they actually call it Glassgate more cracks appear in the iPhone 4 is their headline it says Apple says the new glass is 30 times stronger than plastic but it goes on uh, to say, you know, this new problem. And, and it quotes Ryan Block as a, a, a source of fact. Yeah. So it says, coined by well-known blogger Ryan Block, Glassgate refers to Ryzen iPhone 4 users reporting their slide-on cases are breaking its glass with an alarming ease. You know, and it goes on to say, it now seems in October has brought a whole new set of problems for Steve Jobs with rumors. Staff at Apple's Cupertino HQ are secretly in lockdown discussing ways to, no- to negotiate Glassgate. You know, and it's like this inflammatory piece. And all of their information, all of it, is from Ryan Block's blog post, which was a speculatory piece, right? Yeah. But now it's real because yeah. now it's in mainstream media. Yeah. You know? Anyway, let's put this into perspective. And the perspective says that a warranty firm, and I love this because even they say, Claims on iPhone 4 glass breakage are up 85%. All right? And they're saying that uh, 20,000 iPhone 4 models found the screens broke 82% more often than was the case on an iPhone 3G. Okay? So basically, almost double the amount of breakage. Right? Can I point out that double the amount of breakage, double, 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 what would make double? What would make double? Double would be... 
two two pieces of glass as opposed to one piece of glass oh there we go two pieces of glass as opposed to one piece of glass could make double the other thing to point out is the glass breakage on the iphone the actual statistic is something like 1.2 percent of iphone users have actually claimed my god so we're up to 2.4 percent. so we're up to 2.4 percent now right now 85 percent only takes us up to like two percent guys it's it's such a beat up we sit there and go oh my god and of course a warranty company would want to say this because they want you to buy warranties oh of course all right enough of that shane's feeling left out (laughs) (laughs) shane's feeling left out and all look i just got to point out though that i did find this great photo uh, this was somebody's iPhone. Look at that. That's a nice... But you know what? Dude, that, that epic, is... man. How did you do that? That's a, that's a great crack. But you know what? No, but I like, don't see... Seriously, any... how did he do that? Like, where did it land to crack both sides of the panel? I know. But what I also love, though... Have a look at this. This is the photo that was being used to illustrate this point. Do you see any straight vertical cracks? Which is where, if you think the scratches would be starting the cracks, there should be mm. vertical scratches on it. From sliding in and out of a case. I don't see any vertical scratching on that phone. So I don't know. I think this photo is from something else. I think this looks like somebody dropped it on concrete. And they're just using this photo. It's kind of a beat up. Look, is the glass tough? The glass is tough. It flexes. It bends. It's the same, it's the same glass that's used on helicopter cockpits. You know what I mean? Mm. But it's not indestructible. No. And I think that's the important part. Dude, bulletproof glass isn't indestructible, okay? <laughs> you could still bulletproof glass on it. People will shoot bullets at it and be like, you see, I cracked it. There you go. Yeah. So All right, I'm going to bring Shane back into this conversation because look what I got. I'm bringing a picture of Duke Nukem. Uh, oh, look, there's the nudity part of the show. Okay. Uh, now, the reason why I'm bringing up a piece of Duke Nukem is because Duke Nukem, this is old news, but Duke Nukem was demoed. You heard this, didn't you? Uh-huh. At, um, where was it? It was at uh, one of the... Manaba. Ma- no, no, I'm talking about, uh, there was uh, actually at an event. It was demoed recently. Uh, the company Gearbox, who's now in charge of mm-hmm. putting it together since yeah. they've taken it on. However, more importantly than that, though, first of all, at that demo, somebody was asked whether or not is, is 11 years too late, basically. Mm-hmm. And he said the person who actually tested it, the journalist actually said he thought so. Um, but then he played it and he said, you know what? It was actually surprisingly fun. Well, actually, we're going to have something a bit more close to home, which I can bring to the show in mm-hmm. uh, it may be one or two weeks. One of uh, the journalists at rawdlc.com, which no, is, of sure. course, my website, um, is going to... What was that be, website again? Uh, rawdlc.com. <laughs> um, will be going down to actually have hands-on with it. So I will make sure to bring an analysis report to you because cool. it'll be interesting. I'm I'm very because I'm like that guy where um, I'm asking, is this eleven years too late? Well, look, I'm a huge Duke Nukem fanboy. You know that, and, oh, yeah. I, and I've been waiting for Duke Nukem <laughs> oh, forever for eleven years. But I got to tell you, I'm actually even more excited right now for what is being coined Duke Nukem Next Gen. Have yeah. you heard about this? No. Apparently, fans got together and decided that what they really wanted was the original Duke Nukem brought into the modern age, right? So they actually went to – they created a demo and they took it to Gearbox and basically said, what do you think? And Gearbox has approved – the development of this is a fully open source. They're calling for anybody who can help yeah. uh, do this. And it looks a little bit like this. Bastards are going to pay for shooting up my ride. Wait for it. All right, so this is original Duke. Oh, dude, 
day. Those aliens bastards are gonna pay for shooting up my ride. Come on, that's pretty swish, I reckon. Completely unfinished, as they say. There's no wet. There's no weapon uh, models yet, and uh, the HUD's not in place. And it's, just like one and it's just the one area. It's just the rooftop. But it was enough to get Gearbox excited. Okay. Now, according now, according to not bad for a high school graphics assignment, says Northy. Oh snap! Oh snap! Well, okay. How about you jump on the project then? And Absolutely. Show them how it's done. According to this, it says it's um, still nicer than original Duke. The free update. This is going to be free, mind you guys. The free update has been given the okay to publish. Um, it is uh, Frederick Schreiber unveiled the project, provisionally titled Duke Nukem Next Gen, remaking the 1996 classic using modern tech behind games such as Gears of War, Mass Effect, and Bioshock. Uh, it says uh, they convinced uh, the demo convinced Gearbox Software, now developing Duke Nukem Forever, to get on board and ask their publisher to give Mr. Schreiber the okay for a remake. The team is looking for help, not just in testing the PC game, but also in making it. With a call for a talented artists, coders, and animators sent out. Northy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you can go over to uh, Duke Nukem Next Gen News. Over at Gearbox's official forums, if you want to find out more. Can I just say something that... Uh, Please! A lot of people actually would have um, got a chance to see it anyway. Uh, I got a chance to see when they were demoing uh, Duke Nukem Forever, and I got to hear uh, Mr. Pickford, uh, his comments and interviews from mm. when they were showing this. I think it was at GDC. Yeah. 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 Uh, and we got to see the walkthrough and everything, and... Mm -hmm. uh, it does look good from the remake and everything. Like, it's still got the humor that's in there. Is this okay. in Forever or Next Gen? Uh, forever. This is Forever, forever yeah. yeah. And uh, obviously the music is in there too. And it, it did look quite good. And from what Mr. Pickford said, he said that he had, like, queues of hundreds of people that were at GDC waiting to actually yeah. play it. Mm. So the fan base is definitely there, and I don't think we should lose faith in it. I think, I've never lost I faith think, in yeah, the Duke. I think Gearbox is a very... Exactly. Good that's, to that, stick with something. That yeah. to me is the big thing, and I think Shane's really got it right there, which is the fact that Gearbox is a great company, and they have a lot of reasons to give them some support. I mean, like the whole thing is to bag this game before we've really seen anything from it. Like, I mean, we're playing basic demos yet. I mean, it's not; it's far from release at this stage. Um, and uh, look, I mean, like Shane was saying, the demo we've seen it; it has the humor in it. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. I don't think we can get a 100% game. Like, to me, just to get something that I'll enjoy playing through is more than I'm expecting at this stage. So it's like that whole Watchmen argument. It's mm. like, it's not a matter of, you know, sort of will it be everything we want it to be. It's a matter of will they do it justice. And that's all you're going to be able to expect from this one. Well, in the meantime, we might be able, until it comes out, and they're, they're actually saying a next year release. So they're, they're saying they're close. But... Right. Next gen might be closer because they're actually saying that a online multiplayer demo is closer than you think. Their their words, not mine. So um, I'll be very curious. Forever will also, according to Gearbox, can be coming out on PS3, Xbox 360, and PC. So it's going to be across the board. Oh, guys! Apparently, Fable Two is free on Xbox Live today. 
Oh, cool. All right. So, uh, I'm, uh, by the time people actually hear this in the audio podcast, that may not be, that won't be anymore. But, um, yeah, apparently Calisynth in our chat room has said that you can actually get it for free. All right. So, Calisynth, can you, um, as new people come into the room, can you just throw that one out again? Just so that uh, you refresh people's memories because um, we will forget. Mm. <laughs> um, okay. Now, uh, boy. I can't, well, yeah, quite frankly, I can't wait for Duke. I've been a big fan of Duke. As far as first-person shooters go, that and the original Quake are probably my two favorites, even though technology has gotten better and better and better and all that sort of stuff, and Unreal was awesome to look at. I have never had as much fun as playing through the original Duke Nukem um, in 1996. When I got the demo for the first Hollywood Holocaust demo, I went, oh, my God, this is awesome. And then when the, film came, when, the film, when the game came out, I bought it and I played it through it and I had so much fun. It was just an awesome experience because it's funny. And that's one of the factors behind it. The whole thing is done so tongue-in-cheek. All right. But I thought you might like that. I thought, yeah, look, I thought the next-gen thing is very curious, and I'd be very interested to follow up on that because I'd love to see an update to the original game. It's kind of like the uh, Tomb Raider Anniversary Edition. Did you see that, where they updated the graphics on that? That looked really good as well. All right. Uh, hey, this is uh, just a, a, an update on the whole NBN issue. I won't, I won't drag people through the muck on this one too much, but uh, I think it was interesting to point out. Now, some of these are, by the way, some of these links are Delta Knights. Uh, he knows which ones they are, so, uh, but he actually submitted Admitted like four or five links this time around. Um, but uh, Malcolm Turnbull, who is the communications opposition, the opposition communications minister who is up against Stephen Conroy, and he's the one who basically said, we're going to destroy the NBN and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and talk bluster, bluster, bluster and all this sort of stuff. He has now conceded uh, that uh, they won't scrap or tear up the NBN that is actually in place. He said if they come, if they win the next election, they won't tear up the NBN that is there. They will use the existing infrastructure and then they will build off of it, which makes perfect sense. If you're complaining that the NBN is costing too much money, to scrap it and start again would cost you even more. So, but at least he has now conceded that at least they're not going to be that stupid, you know? Yeah. Um, So I, I... yeah, he says, if in, his quote is, if in, infrastructure is built, we will ensure we make the best use of it. Mm. Um, now, this is the quote that made me go, what the? Are you ready? <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> I didn't understand this. Let's see if you guys can, even my wife, who is politically savvy, I mentioned this to my wife and she kind of went, pardon? Okay, here we go. Ready? I'm going to read you this little paragraph as it was written in the Sydney Morning Herald. And you tell me what your interpretation of this is. In a possible clue into the opposition's thinking, Mr. Turnbull explored a quote-unquote structural separation of Telstra of its wholesale and retail arms without building a whole new broadband network. However, he did not endorse this approach. What? (laughs) (laughs) What does that even mean? So he's looking into it, but he doesn't really like it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that what he's saying? <laughs> it's like, I'm looking into this, but that's not what we're going to do. I don't know. I don't even understand that sentence. What? I don't I don't, I don't. I don't even understand what that means. Anyway, let's move on. Um, now, uh, if you remember uh, last week, just as follow-up, once again, this is still NBN news very quickly. Um, we talked about the fact that Tasmania changed their laws to make it an opt-out thing. There is actually a bigger reason to this, and this wasn't kind of made clear to start with, but now it's starting to come out, and I don't see a problem. Let me just make this stress. If they're 
putting the cable in and it's not costing you any more to have the cable put in, why wouldn't you just have the cable put in? We, oh, dis- we discussed this already. Still going on no, it's actually gotten a little bit tighter because what's now come out is in Tasmania – they're now saying that only 16 to 25 percent of premises, 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 whatever, <laughs> passed by the NBN rollout would subscribe to the NBN. Oh, good okay? Lord. Now, this prompted the state government to change the law to make it an opt-out, which means they're going to put it to your house unless you specifically say no, right? Mm-hmm. The reason why they had to do this, did you guys, are you guys aware of this? All landlines are going to be through the NBN. So if you have a house phone yeah. and you opt out of the NBN, you don't have a house phone anymore Ooh. because they're going to retire the copper network. I'm going to yeah. sneeze. Oh, they're going to retire the old copper network. Oh, sneeze sitting there, sitting there. Oh, sneeze or don't sneeze. <laughs> Come on, hurry up. Ah, it'll pass. It'll pass. Oh, man. All right. So, yeah, apparently it's been revealed now that the uh, copper lines that currently go to everybody's houses over time will be retired. This is part of the whole $11 billion Telstra deal. Mm. If you remember, we talked about this several weeks ago where Telstra made an $11 billion deal to basically sell the infrastructure to the NBN. Mm. According to this, under Telstra's $11 billion deal with the NBN Co., the telco would be relieved of its basic telephone services. Because according to this, it says currently, this is from uh, news.com.au, currently Telstra has a universal service obligation requiring it to ensure basic telephone services are available to all Australians on an equitable basis no matter where they live. Under the NBN terms and under the $11 billion deal, they are relieved of this responsibility and NBN has that responsibility, mm. okay? So the copper networks will be retired because they don't need them anymore. We're up, that's the whole point of a new infrastructure upgrade. We're getting rid of the copper. So if you don't have the fiber going to your house, your house phone's not going to work anymore. So basically, if they don't get it, um, Calicent is saying that it will cost $300 to get your old one reconnected. But that's my point is uh, they want to make it opt out to not get the, uh, the, the fiber, right? So if they're coming along down your street and they're putting fiber to the houses, because it actually does say in this article, it says if you have a landline and you get the NBN, you still have a landline, right? It's not trying to take your landline away. Right. So the point is, is that initial hookup, because it's a government subsidized thing, is that initial fiber to the house hookup paid for or do you have to pay for it? That's the question I have. Mm. That's the thing that has never been. Nobody ever talks about this part when they come rolling down your street and they've got their they're putting their fiber line down the street and they're putting it to each house. Yeah. Do you have to pay for that or is that part of the forty three billion dollars that's being paid for? Which you've already paid for because it's your tax money. Yeah. Anybody in the chat room have an answer to that? So it says here, if you don't get the NBN, it'll cost you $300 to reconnect your house phone. (laughs) Northy says, I live in central Queensland. It'll be 20 years before I need to worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done, man. All right. So that's the question. If you know the answer to this, geek tech at geekactually.com all right we want to know if the nbn comes down your street and they want to run a fiber to your house is that paid for or do you have to pay for it that's my question okay so geek tech at geekactually.com please if anybody knows the answer to that send oh jay raggy's already answered it's paid for so why wouldn't you just get it yeah 
Uh, that's the question. We're not saying you have to use the service. We're not saying you have to use the NBN or pay the monthly fee. But to get it wired to the house, why wouldn't you? What was the uh, percentage in uh, Tasmania again? The percentage was, it says here, it says, in Tasmania, officials estimate, uh, official estimates forecast that just 16 to 25% of premises, premises, what? How do you pronounce that word? Premises, 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 whatever. I'm going with premises, it sounds better. Premises, okay. Uh, Just 16 to 25% of premises passed by the NBN would subscribe to the NBN. Okay, so we're still left with around about 70% that don't? 70% who said that they wouldn't, or that they haven't committed. Okay. But the yeah. point is, you don't have to actually subscribe to the NBN. Mm. Getting the cable to your house is just part of the fixture. Mm. You're just getting the point put in. Yeah. It's like, mm. you can move into a flat right now that has a Foxtel point in the wall. You don't have to subscribe to Foxtel, but the point is there in the wall in case you want yeah. to turn it on. Yeah. Mm. You know, mm. It's like, you move into a house, it's got a phone jack in the wall. You don't have to have the phone, but the you phone jack is up, there. You don't ring up the phone company from before and go, how dare you install something in my house? <laughs> I want this jack taken <laughs> out, goddammit. <laughs> Take this phone jack out of my house. All right. What would you guys say? And this is actually a bit of a talking point. Um, what would you guys – this is an interesting one. What would you guys say if I said to you that complaints to the ACMA blacklist, website complaints, has risen um, more than three times than last year's complaints? I would say, oh, wow. Really? People <laughs> don't want their internet censored? <laughs> No, that would be as, about as far as I would go. All right. Yeah. So, uh, for those who don't know, or the listeners out there who are wondering what we're talking about, the ACMA is uh, our body, our government body, the uh, Australian Communications and Media Authority, who basically control what's called the blacklist. If you go to an objectionable website and it has child pornography or bestiality or something that you just completely object to, you can submit a report to the ACMA saying this website offended me, right? They investigate the site, and if it is deemed uh, refused classification material, like child pornography, bestiality, or what have you, then they issue, if it's an Australian site, if it's actually located in Australia, they issue a takedown notice. Mm -hmm. If it's an external site, a site from overseas, it's put onto the blacklist, which means you can't access it, okay? Uh, It's it's basically, it's, it's locked away behind a closed door. Okay, this is a system that has been in place since John Howard's days, right? This has been going for a long time, and the system actually kind of works, right? Uh, According to this, they're saying that the total number of complaints to the ACMA has risen to a total of 3,212 this year, which is three times what it was last year, right? Now, what's interesting about this is that uh, during this period of time, uh, 172% uh, sorry, was it the findings indicate there was an increase of 172% in the number of complaints received, but 118 of those complaints were invalid. Invalid means they couldn't find the site that was being complained about, right? So they went to the location that wasn't there, right? Or they couldn't locate it. So the question is this. Is this ammunition? For the Australian government, now I'm going to open this to debate. Okay, this is uh, hear me out for both parts before you go on. I am. I'm waiting. Is this ammunition? uh, I'm sorry. So, chat room just caught my eye. All right. Sorry. Is this ammunition for the federal government to turn around and say, "See, this is why we need an internet censorship filter because these sites are on the rise," or alternatively, is this an indication that the system actually works? 
as it stands right now because people are reporting and, you know, Take down the uh, mind you. Out of all these complaints, three thousand two hundred and twelve complaints. Only twenty five were uh, had takedown notices issued. Only twenty five of them were located in Australia. Okay, is it an indication that the system works? And let's let's leave this alone. And why the hell do we even need an internet censorship filter, mm. guys? Mm. What do you think? Hmm. <laughs> that stumped you. <laughs> no, it's just it's one of those things. I wish I had uh, kind of. You know, read a little bit more on. Mm, that's why I sent you links beforehand. It's, uh, <laughs> it's weird because um, it seems as though it is working, but we're just getting too many dumb people, which are obviously not reporting the correct. Okay, my wife actually asked a question about this last night. She said, What happens when a site is reported to the ACMA blacklist or the ACMA? So let's run through that process really quickly because a lot of people don't understand how it actually mm. works. How it actually works is this you come across a, a forbidden site that you think is horrible and it's offended you personally. You submit that to the ACMA. The ACMA looks at the site. If they find the site and they do find that your grounds may have, you may have grounds for a complaint, they submit the site to the Australian Office of Classification. They look at it and they put it through the guidelines of the Office of Film and Literature Classification. If they come through and it is given a refused classification uh, uh, mandate, basically, Mm. if the site comes through as a refused classification, then they either issue a takedown notice if it's an Australian site or it is put onto the blacklist um, because it is refused classification. If the classification board turns around and says, no, it fits within the guidelines of our, you know, our standards, yeah. then it's ignored. And basically, it's because we don't have a rating system for online, exactly. it's ignored and, and the, the complaint is dumped, right? That's how it works. So there is actually a system in place. It does actually make sense, right? Um, I don't necessarily like the ACMA. We've talked about the ACMA a lot. We've talked about you know, how the fact that it should be more transparent and all this sort of stuff, but the system kind of works. Now, why has there been a threefold increase? Now, I'll tell you why I think there's been a threefold increase. I think the fact that because we have done nothing but talk about the Australian censorship uh, filter for a year and a half and everybody has talked about the ACMA blacklist for a year and a half, and everybody has talked about censorship for a year and a half and objectionable sites for a year and a half, I think people are actually more aware of how to do it. Mm. I think a year and a half ago, people were completely oblivious to the ACMA. They were oblivious to how any of this worked, and so they didn't report sites. They knew there was something out there because we'd heard it in the media during John Howard's days, but I don't think they ever really knew what it was or how to do anything with it. Yeah. And now people's awareness is so much more active that well, they are reporting. People like people like us or or sites like um, you know the main ones like Sydney Morning Herald and stuff like that have been reporting on it. So it's it's an unavoidable point. It's in your newspapers. It's on your websites. It's close to you. So people are starting to read about it and go, well, what is this? Absolutely. Where did it come from? How did it come about? And as people learn more about it, people start kind of you know. I think awareness is a big issue, and I think awareness is – I think – the funny thing is, in effect, by talking about internet censorship so much, I think inadvertently the government has made people much more aware of it. 
um, where they weren't aware. People were oblivious to it all before, and I think it's become a much bigger issue than what it was. Yeah. Anyway, I think I think it's something that we should have a look at, and we'll 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 talk more about as time goes on. Because I'm yeah. sure this isn't going away. I'm sure mm-hmm. uh, articles like this will stick around for mm-hmm. some time. Um, because what will happen now is feedback will start happening about this, and everybody will start going jumping on the bandwagon about it. And I think we'll have more to do it. So, but while we're still on subject of censorship and once again sorry shane it is an apple story it's actually your boss <laughs> uh, just before you go into that um, yep i was just a bit unaware because i didn't pay much attention yep. to what happened after the election mm. so does this mean that the censorship will go ahead or it's been canned or it's no the censorship filter or? at this point is indefinitely on hold yeah. um because mm. they actually they actually shelved it just before the election because they mm. knew it was a poison pill mm. Uh, because the balance of power in the lower house is now actually held by the independents because of the fact that we have a minority government in place, mm. um, and they're both anti-censorship filter mm. um, and both pro-NBN. So at this point, the NBN is rolling on. Mm. The censorship filter has dropped. However, Gillard's government has said they're still interested in the censorship filter, and we have had Conroy coming out and flogging that dead horse again. Yeah. But there is no way, and I'm going to stress this on the record, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can see, there is no way they could get it passed. They couldn't get it through. At this point in time, they could get it through the Senate, but they will never get it through the lower house because of the independence. And come July, they would never get it through the Senate because the Senate balance of power in the Senate will be held by the Greens. So at this point in time, that thing is dead in the water. Uh, Unless the Greens and the independents support something, it ain't going to happen unless they get the support of the coalition because then they outnumber everybody. But could you imagine the coalition and the Labour Party actually agreeing on something? That ain't going to happen. (laughs) So unless they actually agreed on something, it's all up to the independents at this point. So according to the chat room, just an update, uh, the U.S. version of Fable 2 uh, on the U.S. live is free. The Australian one is not. Um. So I think there's a lot of debate going around in the chat room about this. So, so if, it, if give somebody, us some time, if you're wondering why I'm a little bit kind of off to one. Yeah, Josh is following this. So if you I'm can get it, if you can get a with uh, this, but uh, I will get you an answer by the time we finish up tonight. Okay, good. All right. So if you can, um, if you can get us a final no- a notice uh, within the next uh, 20 minutes, okay? I think uh, the. The reason is that uh, Peter Molyneux is trying to get fans in the U.S. That's why he's getting away. <laughs> <laughs> he's just trying to get fans. <laughs> yeah. All right, look, we've got um, we've got a couple more stories here, but we're actually going to start running out of time. So I'm going to dump that story. We don't need to know about that. Uh, this one, though, I just want to bring up. This is just really, really, really quickly. This is just a spur, uh, spur debate. We're not going to go into great detail, but I want feedback on this. All right, and I think I know where the feedback's going to go. All right, and we might even put this up in the forum. In fact, if somebody wants to go start this thread in the forum, I think it would be very interesting. According to news.com.au this week, Apple has just been granted a patent. This is, this is the part that is real. It is granted a patent, uh, which was a patent that went into the trademarks office in 2008. It just got approved. Apple now has the patent, which basically allows them to censor text messages on their iPhone device. What this means is that they want, according to Apple, they want to try and stamp out sexting, right? Hold on, though. No, 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 no. no. I'm actually in no way against this because 
I would believe, I would hope anyway, that this would be like Xbox or something like that, where it's a parental control thing. Like it's something you can turn well, on. Well, that we don't on. know, and this is the problem. No, but I can't imagine they have... Well, again, talking about giant companies, it's always a, it, you take this with a tooth and a nail. But you can't. You're not responsible for censoring people. But Steve Jobs would like to think he is because his quotes in the past have been things like, "We do not have porn on the on the iPhone." He says, "You know, there's a porn store for Android." His quote, <laughs> mm. um, which there is no porn store for Android. Can I point that out? But anyway, yeah. um, he Steve Jobs is protecting his family friendly brand. Is his, is his thing. It says, the control application may, may require a user to replace the unauthorized text or may automatically delete the text or the entire communication um, if you try and text. Now, what it doesn't say in this article that I'm reading here is whether or not it's an opt-in or opt-out thing. If it's a parental control where you can actually turn it on, like all those other stupid V-chip parental control type things that they put into phones that I turn off everything when I turn on my phone, then fine, you can do that. But if this is a non-opt-in thing, if this is just a permanent feature, I have a real problem because how do they censor your text messages? They have to have access to your text messages. Mm -hmm. And this is where the issue comes in. Yeah, It says the patent will enable Apple to view every, I'll use that word again, every iPhone user's texts. Wow, now that's scary. All right, which means every text message you send will be through their server that they can view and scan. Okay, which you can still pixed as net, as Reggie brings up. Pixed. <laughs> I'm just saying he's got a point. Actually, no, that's true. that's actually true because apparently the patent doesn't cover MMS. There you go. So now I want to be very clear here. Take everything I just said with a grain of salt. Okay, the patent was granted. That doesn't mean they're going to act on the patent. Mm-hmm. Patents are granted all the time that are never used. The patent was granted. This entire article comes from where? It comes from TechCrunch. Now, TechCrunch and Michael Arrington are kind of like the TMZ of the internet. Okay. Oh, really? Now, uh, Michael Arrington, for those who don't know, is the man who Leo Laporte lost his cool with and told him to fuck off. All right. Oh, wow. All right. And now Leo Laporte doesn't often lose his cool, but Arrington got under his skin. I don't like TechCrunch. TechCrunch has broken a lot of stories in the past. Don't get me wrong. They're not, I'm not saying they're fabrication or anything, but they have a tendency to, uh, to uh, spin things in the way they want to spin it. They're into link bait and all this sort of nonsense. Okay? Mm. So I don't doubt they got the patent. I think the way that TechCrunch may have reported it may be a little bit colored. Okay? I don't know. We need more information. But I say <laughs> happy for you to have the patent there, Apple. Just try and get that through a civil liberties court. It's an pro- absolute privacy issue. Okay. Now, what I did want to talk about, and we've only got uh, about 20 minutes, which is a little bit less time than I was hoping, but this is it, guys. This is, this, is, this is our topic of the week. We have been talking about it for 12 months. It finally had its announcement. It finally is here. It's finally going to be released. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about this. You see me in The smartphone. It's come a long way. What started out as a nice thing to have is now the most important device in our lives. But the industry has hit a wall. Each new phone is just a slightly better version than the one before it, adding to what has become a sea of sameness and a focus on apps over the phone experience itself. (laughs) Don't get us wrong. 
We love apps, but current smartphones make you use them one at a time. In and out. And on to the next app. Then the next. And the next. Rarely working together. So, what do we do now? We start over. With a different kind of phone that doesn't make you go in and out of apps, but lets you glance and go. A new experience that keeps your life in motion and lets you flow seamlessly through integrated hubs. Hubs that pull the stuff you want and bring it all to one place. This isn't the next chapter in the story of the smartphone. This is a new beginning. Sorry? The new Windows Phone 7 series. Okay, so Windows Phone 7 had its launch announcement, and they didn't announce one handset, they didn't announce two handsets, they didn't even announce three handsets. They announced, what is it, nine handsets, I think, or something like that. Uh, look, i got to say one thing. Uh, it is a pretty, pretty, pretty phone. Okay, uh, now that we've actually seen it, we've seen glances of it, we've seen all sorts of stuff over the past, but now that they've actually demoed it, they've actually what they're saying uh, basically, uh, if you read the um, the press releases on this and watch the demos, is rather than clicking on an app, going into the app, being in the app, doing whatever it is you do, leaving that app, going into the next app, all the apps because it is all multitasking are basically running simultaneously in panels, mm. and you slide around the panels. And they're all live. So if you've got a Facebook panel, for instance, uh, you can actually put an individual user or your Facebook profile, and all the updates are coming in live. Pictures are actually changing on it live right in front of you as you're going. So what they're saying is rather than have your head buried in your phone the whole time, it's a quick glance, and you can see exactly what's going on. Quick slide, it moves over, what have you. It's pretty. Is it enough to make me leave my iPhone and move to Windows Phone 7? Not a chance. But it is pretty. I actually find that... That whole <laughs> Northy brought up an interesting point. The battery life <laughs> on that will be fantastic. Um, no, my actual thing is that their whole argument at the start about the whole we love apps thing and how moving in and out of an app. I'm sorry, but I don't know how other people's minds work. But when I'm using a device, let's call it an iPhone with the app system, yeah, yeah. as they so uh, you know sort of blatantly put oh, it. Oh, by the way, do you know you have to be careful about saying that phrase now because Apple just got the trademark on it. They actually were awarded the trademark on there's an app for that. Oh, really? So we have to pay them a cent or two every time we say it. <laughs> so anyway, when I'm using this device, if I'm using notes, I will load notes and type a note. When I'm using my music player, I'll play that. And that one's basically interactive yeah, with everything. Yeah. So that'll slide into the background. And if I'm looking at emails, I'll click on emails and start writing an email. I haven't really got to the point where I've actually mentally been able to figure out on a two-point, you know, eight-inch <laughs> screen how to, uh, how to use about six apps at a time. But, you know, good for, good for, good for Microsoft. Well, look, I have to say that it's a, the one thing I will give the phone and the operating system is it's the first time in the last, what, three years now, four years now, that a redesign has come to smartphones. Since the Apple iPhone came out, that's true. every phone has tried to emulate that look. Yeah, They've all tried to emulate the grid of icons. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, Windows 7 phone with its panel network, and it's, like, it's basically the Zoom HD is what it is. Yeah is a unique interface. It's something new. It's something different. It's fresh. And you look at it and go, how well does it work? Well, Paul Thurot on Windows Weekly has been using one for several months, and he actually says it is 
fantastic. He says it's just a brilliant phone. I, I'm a little bit more, you know, I'm a bit more of a skeptic than that, and I would have to see it in action. But I thought it is worth talking about on this show because we have mocked it and we've talked about it for so long that to actually have physical phones now is something else. And here's some of the phones if you want to have a look at them. This is uh, the HTC 7 Mozart. Um, now, there is, I'll put a link. There's a link in the show notes uh, for this episode, which is a page that has all of these pictures laid out. Okay? So if you want to see these uh, pictures for those audio listeners, you'll be able to follow that link. But uh, let's have a look here. So this is the... This one is the HTC Mozart, and it says, like many of HTC's Win uh, Phone 7 phones announced today, 3.7-inch Mozart has an 8-megapixel camera. 8 megapixels, very nice. Xenon flash, Dolby uh, mobile and SRS uh, hard drive for virtual surround. Uh, sorry, high definition for virtual surround sound. Uh, it says there is a 1 gigahertz Snapdragon processor, 512 megs of RAM, 576 megabytes of ROM, 8 gigabytes of internal storage. The phone itself measures... Uh, 119 by 60.2 millimeters, uh, weighs um, 130 grams, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, G-sensor, ambient light sensor, GPS are all included. But more importantly, uh, is this the one I'm thinking of? Hold on, where are we? Which one? Oh, sorry, T-Mobile. Yeah, Uh, but more importantly, the next one has the feature that I want. Are you ready? This is the HTC HD7 Duo. uh, And check out this. It's got a kickstand! <laughs> That's kind of cool. I want the kickstand! <laughs> kickstand is pretty awesome. So, and, and you know, it goes on in the, each one of these phones. The, uh, this one's got 16 gigabytes of storage, a 5 megapixel camera. Then we've got the Dell entry. We had heard a long time ago that Dell was getting into mobile yeah. phones. Well, here's the Dell mobile phone. This is the Dell entry. Um, uh, Dell's, it's very long. It's very long. Uh, how about a vertical slider? It says, um, this is the one that I like. This is actually the HTC 7 Surround. Are you ready? This is one, for, this is one that is designed for movie viewing. It has slide-up surround speakers. Oh, dude, that's sexy. And that's sexy. And a kickstand. <laughs> so that one, you slide up the, the surround sound speakers, which is kind of cool. This is the Samsung Focus 2. Um, now, the Samsung Focus 2, does this have anything interesting that we should talk about? Four-inch Super AMOLED screen. Uh, the Focus is the thinnest of all the um, uh, Windows Phone 7 phones. Uh, whether it still makes for a good phone, wait and see. Uh, you're in Europe, it'll be known as the Omnia 7. Okay, so they've got a different name for it. Here's LG's Quantum 2. These all were presented by um, uh, Microsoft at their event. They came up on a little pedestal stand and they showed them all. This is the Samsung. Uh, with This is a, a more classic design. It actually has the slide-out keyboard. Um, uh, five megapixel snapper. The quantum has a slide out QWERTY keyboard. I don't know. I'm, I'm over. That looks like the cheapest. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? I'm over hardware keyboards. Quite frankly, I like my virtual keyboards. So mm, yeah, no, I'm with that. I'm with that. All right. So this is the HTC Seven Pro. This is the Sprint phone. Um, so this looks like it's got a one gigahertz Snapdragon processor again, five twelve megabytes of RAM. It's got pretty much all the same things as the other HTC. The HTCs actually look like they're probably the way to go. This is one that actually has no carrier, so this is an unlocked one. Um, so this will be available. This is called the Optimus, the Optimus Seven or Optimus Prime. All right. <laughs> so there's another one. And last but not least, this is the uh, for European customers only. So which means we'll probably get it as well. Uh, this is not available in the states. This is the trophy from HTC. Uh, it is. This is the cheapest of all of the 
uh, Windows Phone 7 phones. Mm. 8 gigabytes of storage, um, 3.8 inch WVGA screen, uh, 5 megapixel camera, 720p video recording. Microsoft's lowest allowed spec for Windows Phone 7 is this phone. Wow. Okay. Uh, I wonder how it runs. I don't know. But as history has shown us in the past that you never take Microsoft's uh, required. You always take their recommended. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, Windows Phone 7. It's available in, I think it's December, November, December in America. I don't know when it's coming to Australia. But it's out. I got to say, and I'm going to say this right up front. I like competition. I think competition uh, breeds innovation. And I think that the iPhone needs Android and it needs Windows 7, uh, Windows Phone 7, because it needs that edge out there who are pushing on them all the time to make the phones better. And this is the same. I think all this competition has made Microsoft produce a better phone. Yeah. Because Windows, uh, uh, what is it, Phone, phone 6 mm. was a dog. All right. I don't even want to give it that. No. <laughs> I don't think it was a living animal of any type or kind. It was something very, very stupid. Um, anyway, look, Windows Phone 7, I give a lot of credit, and I think they've really taken the right place to try and push back into the market. I think one of the things they said in that advert stands out really true over anything um, else, mm-hmm. which is the fact that immediately um, what springs to mind is that they are saying in um, that advert that it's becoming... The device that will replace everything else, mm. right? If they can make that system work, if they can make Windows 7 phone just work, like, and work better than anything else, then they have the future. Because if they create a device, right, they have now a system with a very easy interface, mm-hmm. right, on that front panel. If they can now make that into a 10 inch, I'm just saying. Yeah, well, there is there is definitely grounds for that. The only problem is that the tablet, the rumored Windows tablet that's coming, yeah. is using Windows Seven, not their mobile operating system. I know, which is such a mistake. Well, well, look, that's that man. But now that the device is available, look, there is no patent or limit on HTC not bringing out a ten-inch. That's true. Phone. That's quote, true. Unquote. So, like the whole thing is, dude, with the right amount of technology, with the right push in the right direction. If Windows 7 system is as stable and as powerful as people are saying it is, we will, you know, do our best to get involved in this and see if we can get some hands-on time with it. It's like if we can actually get, you know, all this sort of stuff working very, very well, a 10-inch may be the option that we all head for. Mm-hmm. Can, yeah. I, can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, has anybody else noticed over the last 12 months uh, we are seeing a softier, touchier uh, more sensitive Microsoft? Yeah. Isn't this weird? Well, I think that they've probably fired whoever was behind the marketing campaign of the whole let's look like we're having fun and being really friendly and active and starting to realize that what's going to win people back is quality. Hmm. Quality and, you know, decent Because this year alone support. we've seen Windows 7 come out, an operating system that universally everybody says works. Yeah. You know, and and is doing really well. We're seeing the brand new iPhone, the iPhones, the brand new Win Phone Sevens, mm. which are work and by all accounts are really nice phones. Yeah. We're seeing a company that seems to be more giving. We see we seem to be seeing a company that seems to be accepting its errors and and saying you know we'll do this and we'll do that. You know, we don't seem to be seeing that whole evil empire Gatesian. Um, 
I, I, I hate to bring up his name because I think Bill Gates has done a lot of good things as well in his time. Yeah. But since he left, and in fact, it's not even him because the first year Balmer was in control, Microsoft was going downhill oh, yes. fast. Oh, yes. But this last year, this last year, we seem to have seen Microsoft take this entire flip into a different company. And it's like, I'm just wondering, did they hire a new PR firm that said, you guys have really got to get a grip on this, you know? Mm. Or did they just wake up one day and say, you know what? It's not, it isn't endgame anymore. Mm. The fact is that statistics just came out this week. Apple's market share just rose another 2%. It's now 10% of market share in America. It's the first time it's been 10%. And this is PCs, not iPads, not phones. This is PC sales. Yeah. 10% of American market share first time ever and this is a company that was almost in in negligible decimal point market share 15 years ago mm. you know it was at the point where it was going bankrupt you know uh, in the 90s and now it is a severe player we've got android taking all of this market share on things like uh, mobile devices we i think microsoft has finally woken up to the fact that they have competition well yeah exactly it's they're they're no longer the untouchable empire Mm. it's like you know people are in their playground and they are stealing their toys and it's and they have to amend themselves to be what people are looking for exactly people are turning to apple because they want that touchy-feely experience they want that really easy interface and that really this microsoft had to come to that party you know, they they want the beautifully designed, integrated um, uh, mobile device. Microsoft has to come to that party, you know, and I think that's what's happened. I think somebody's woken up over at Microsoft and said, um, guys, we got an issue here. Mm. We are actually starting to lose market share for the first time in the company's history. Yeah. And this is not just to Apple, mind you. This is to Android, to Google, to I mean, we're seeing we're seeing market share being stripped away from them in all different areas. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they have to play such a very fine line now, like such such a very, very, like they're in a situation where they're going down, mm. like, and everyone is on top of them right now. Like, I mean, it's still got that evil empire stigma attached to Windows. Um, they can't get a marketing campaign right. They devices are universally seen as the most difficult to use and the most complicated systems. Whether or not this is true, this is another matter. Next to Linux, Linux is still uh, the hard one. Linux doesn't exist in most people's <laughs> mind. If I, if I say Linux to the average person, they don't know what it means, right? But what I'm saying is when you think inside the realms of things, they are the downtrodden one now. And I mean universally, if you walk into a shop floor now, your average customer, in the last two weeks, I've sold three PCs. Mm. Three PCs. I've sold tons of Macs. Why? Because people are just going for Mac Mm. now. Now, for Windows to win back what it's lost, it needs to find an aspect where it can be the winner, no matter what. And mobile phones may be this heading. Well, I think we've also got, there's an Apple event. This is going to be very interesting what's going to happen. What's going to unveil over the next, um, I don't know if you've heard about this yet, Shane, because you may have heard this already because you're working there, but Apple announced an event um, on the 20th Mm -hmm. of this month, and they actually called the event uh, Back to Mac because a lot of people have actually been saying that Apple's basically ignored their PC market and their uh, desktop market and their laptop market because they've been so obsessed by mobile devices. Mm. The iPad and the iPhone have been everything. 
and people have been saying, what happened to the Mac users? You're not doing anything for us. They are doing a new event on the 20th, and the, the logo is actually a key, and behind the key is a lion. And so the thought is, this is their new operating system, and this is either going to be the new OS 10 or OS 11, it could be. I mean, we don't know what they're doing with it at this point. And they're saying that this could also be the unveiling of updates to a lot of the hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is a big Mac event, and it only it just came out of the blue. Nobody expected this to happen. Well, the invites just started to turn up. So I'm really curious to see what they actually um, announce. Because quite frankly, I think OS 10 has pretty much run its course. I think unless they're going to the next thing, um, there's not much more they can do to OS 10. OS 10 feels kind of finished now. Mm. They're just like little patches now. I'd like to see the next thing from them, and maybe we'll finally get there. I don't know. There, was a, well, there was a sly smile on Shane's face. I think he's hiding something. Yeah. Us, but well, uh, <laughs> we won't push him on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that um, we know that the patents in development for a new style of computer we've talked mm-hmm. about it before. People go back and check on our old episodes yep. to find that one. Well, somebody um, actually speculated: could this be the announcement where we have the where we have the Touch iMac? I, dude, I'm not even going to question it. I think it's a definite. Do I we think, think that Lion, the next generation of their operating system, will be a combination of iOS and yes. OS X? Yes. A combo. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it will have both influence and... And we'll have that, that lean back stand that, yep. we, that they got the patent for yep. to switch between operating systems. I think this could be... Look, and... The beautiful thing about an Apple announcement is it's all speculation because they keep things so secret that we won't know. And we can sit there and chew on it and go, ooh, what's going to happen next? All right, let's move on. All right, so uh, we will, um, I'm sure, inevitably, we will be covering a lot more Windows Phone 7 over the next couple of months as the release gets closer. That was the announcement. The phone is, it's no longer this thing where we sit there and make fun of the name. And I mean, I still think the name's a mouthful. I still think it's a ridiculous name for a phone because I think it's too hard to say. But that's me. What can I tell you? All right. But what we're going to do now is we're going to do our pick of the week. Um, and then we're going to get out of here because we've got a film show to do. Uh, but this is the section that we started a few weeks ago, which is basically where we pick our app of the week. And I believe we all have two this week. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're all doing basically a, a game and an application. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for you to have a play with. Um, I'm going to let uh, – because uh, he's been very quiet because – I don't think he wants to tell us what's going on in the Apple world. We're going to let Shane go first. <laughs> All right. What's, what is your first app of the week, Shane? All right. Basically, uh, this uh, app here, I basically found this a night ago, and uh, it's officially called... Uh, I've already got my uh, search window open. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's called uh, Ringtone Maker. This was actually for free. So it actually allows you to basically, uh, say, take a 20-second snippet of any existing song that you already have in your iPhone. And basically what happens with that is it creates it on the fly, then it allows you to email that ringtone directly to uh, an email address. And then from that email address, you can copy and just paste it directly into your iTunes ringtone. Wow, I'm actually surprised that got approved. Mm-hmm. The way that they are about ringtones, you know, I'm surprised that got approved. Is that a free? That's a free app, you said, yeah. Free, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Okay, I'll have to look into that one. So it's called Ringtone Maker. Yep, our R M Maker. That's what it seems to be mm-hmm. called on here. Cool. All right, Josh, your pick uh, of the week. my uh, my pick of the week for so um, 
are we doing each one? We'll go around and then we'll come okay, back for cool, a second cool, round. Cool. Um, mine is, uh, there are two versions of this. There is a free version, a pay version. Me and Dave both share the same uh, belief, which is that we don't like uh, ads on our device. So I went out and paid the $6 that it is for the full version of this. Now, I have to say, though, that just it's kind of like the old days of demo software. I actually do often download the free version to test, test it out. Oh, absolutely. The ads will get the better of me, and I will have to pay exactly. for it. Exactly. And that's what happened with yeah. me. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I got this app and gave it a try. Its name is CamScanner, CamScanner Plus. Yep. Um, CamScanner is a really interesting application uh, for people like me that are terrible with keeping receipts uh, or documents. If you have an iPhone 4, it is even more useful because your camera is that much more effective. But basically, you can scan entire documents, you can scan receipts or whatever. It has inbuilt software to either lighten or actually remove all color from a thing. So you basically just get the image texts. And basically, not only can you then download it to the um, device and keep it stored under directories on the actual phone. The thing that I really like about the app is uh, once you've actually copied the uh, pictures in, you can also add notes to them. So um, I have two directories, one for personal um, receipts and one for business receipts. So anything I buy for DLC. And basically, um, when I put them in, I can put what is tax deductible off the receipt and also when... Uh, what purchase it was made for and what reason that I bought it. Um, And then I can actually upload everything to um, Dropbox as a singular file. Uh, Anything inside the directory when you click upload will actually upload as one PDF file. And basically uh, it'll all be stored in that so that I can send it off to the tax agent uh, when I do my tax next year. Fantastic. Excellent. All right. My first app, it's a shame I was going to demo it and everything. But anyway, we're, we won't be able to demo it because of the uh, the video for our live feed. But uh, the first uh, app I've got is actually an iPad app. Now, it's called NoteTaker HD. It's not free, unfortunately. It's five ninety nine. But the, it's, it fulfills a need on the iPad that uh, Josh and I have been talking about, which is when you're on the run and you just need to take quick notes, having to pop up the keyboard and type can actually be too slow. Mm. And so we've thought, wouldn't it be nice if you could just scribble onto a, you know, like taking notes. So this actually does simulate a piece of yellow legal paper. And with your finger, you can actually just write your notes. Or if you've got like a pogo pen, you could use it like a pen. Now, what's really nice about this is it's really fast. All right. It can work in two different modes. The mode I like is actually called edit two, where it brings up a little box at the bottom, which allows you to write much bigger letters what's actually coming up on the page is normal size. Mm. And as you reach the end of the box, a gray panel arrives or appears at the front of the head and you just continue writing in that gray panel and it just keeps going along the sentence. So you write and then just keep writing and you just keep going backtracking. And when you hit the end of the line, there's just a return key. You hit the return key, it drops to the next line and you keep writing. So it's really, really fast to use. And in fact, I've I've, uh, written my top, my list of five for the uh, film show I've actually done it in notes just to see how well it works and it works really well you can change the size of your pen so if you want to put a heading you can actually do a, pe- a heading you can change the size drag the size of your box and better than that is it organizes it all into thumbnails all your notes so you can at any time uh, click through and read your notes and you can then email them out as, as picture files or hit the transcribe button brings up a little window next to it and the keypad and you can actually retype your notes no. um, into the transcription window. Really, really handy little app. I've been playing with it a lot. Five ninety nine. Well worth getting if you're an iPad user. Shane, your game. Yeah, uh, the game that I 
picked, I only just found this about a day ago as well. Uh, this one is called uh, Tapzu. Tapzu? Uh, yep. Mm. Uh, this one was for free. I think you do have to buy it, though, if you want to unlock the full version of it. Basically, all what you're doing is just uh, you're like a, a a zookeeper that's organizing all these animals and everything. You get to feed them and everything. That's cool. That's it's the the social game, yeah. Where it's the um, sorry the casual game where you put a pen in and say I want gorillas and then come back a little while later and the gorillas. Yeah, I believe it has an extension on Facebook as well. I, I believe. Oh, okay, mm, cool. Okay. So it's my kind of game, <laughs> <laughs> Josh. <laughs> um, well, it's kind of annoying because I had an original one. Um, uh, I want to make a quick mention and just say uh, Train Yard is one I just downloaded then and. Um, I did about five levels before we start, and um, it's a very intriguing game for anyone that likes puzzle games. Um, So I'm mentioning that, but my actual one at the moment for anyone in Australia, we are having a sale currently on uh, Mirror's Edge, which is down to $1.20, and it is a uh, really, really simple game where it's basically just touch up to jump, touch down to slide. That's the parkour game, isn't it? Exactly. Really good graphics, really good gameplay, um, though a little bit frustrating at times because there's no arrow telling you where you're supposed to be going. And I was supposed <laughs> to fall down a hole and kept jumping over it because I was like, why would I want to fall down a hole? That doesn't make any sense. Apart from that, though, I'm mildly obsessed with it at the moment. So. Cool. All right. The mirror's edge. All right. My, uh, my game is uh, available both on iPad. Uh, I as... swear if it's a social game. No, it's not a social game. Oh, it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle game. Uh, it's available on, on iPhone or on iPad as an HD version. So the game is called Geared. Um, and basically it's a puzzle game where you have a spinning gear and you have other gears on the page and you are given an assortment of sizes of gears. And you have to place those gears so that you make everything running. Now... At first, I started playing it, and I went, ah, this is so easy. I got to the first 30 levels or something like that within, like, the city, in one sitting because it was so easy. And then you get, start getting puzzled. There's 150 levels all up. I'm up to about 117 or 16 or something like that, and I am stuck again. There have been levels where I've been stuck on for days. Uh, my wife is currently obsessed by this as well. I will say that uh, I personally recommend the HD version if you have an iPad because the bigger screen makes it easier to move those gears around. But it is available on both. It's $1.19, and this is the part that surprised me. So it's a both app? It's not just no, no, a it's, app? No, it's, it's one or the other. And But what really surprised me was it's $1.19 on both platforms. Usually the when they separate them like that, the iPad version is always more expensive. Mm-hmm. But this mm-hmm. one is the same price on both. So um, I've, I haven't actually got it on the iPhone. I only bought the HD version. Um, but that would be mine. It's a lot of fun, and it is compulsively addictive. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Compulsively. I like that. <laughs> um, I think that's it. I think we're done. We're going to just throw out a few plugs here and a few uh, uh, mentions, and then we're going to get ourselves out of here because uh, we do have Celine Roberts coming in for the review on the film show, but she has to leave halfway through the show. So we're going to get, we've got to get onto that. Hopefully we haven't left it too late. Uh, if you agree or disagree with us or want to suggest something for the show or something has just caught your eye and you think we should know about it, geektech at geekactually.com is the address. Um, or you can voicemail it to us at 0280113167. Or if you want to Skype to us, first of all, you have to uh, be on our Skype list. So just send us a request at the use Skype ID is Geek Actually. Um, and then you can then 
voicemail to your heart's content. Um, now, you can also buy Geek Actually stuff, T-shirts, uh, so forth. We've got Tech Actually, and I've just put some new ones up again this week. My favorite is the one that actually says, Beware, the robot apocalypse is closer than you think. <laughs> so go and have a look at our T-shirts and stuff. Uh, you can find those at cafepress.com.au forward slash Geek Actually. And we have a fan page on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Geek Actually. Um, we do have two other shows to be aware of. One is our Film Actually show which you can search for on iTunes, which is currently kicking ass um, <laughs> in its numbers. And, uh, and we do recommend you have a listen to that if you're into movies. And at the end of the day, we always record an after show, which is just kind of a free-for-all, sometimes informative, sometimes just silly. But that's what the after show is all about. You find all of that on iTunes. They all have their own feeds. Just search for Film Actually, Tech Actually, or Geek Actually After Show. Um, now, Josh, tell us about your site. Oh, actually, Josh and Shane, tell us about your site. Oh, right, yes, because he works there as well. He does. Confusing <laughs> the crowd on me. I'm like, wait, what site does Shane have? Uh, yes, rawdlc.com, uh, which would have a logo on screen if we could do that. If we could do that. Yeah. Um, rawdlc.com, it is a gaming website. We uh, go out about all manner of gaming things, things about the gaming industry in itself. We have two journalists and myself working there. We are... Um, very informative, very irreverent, and uh, very funny, or we would like to think so anyway. We go out on Tuesdays with a live show, Tuesdays at 8 p.m., Australian Eastern Daylight Savings plus it's one, too long. ten thing. I don't know. Find out <laughs> what time we go out. Um, but, yes, yeah, so Tuesday nights uh, we go out, and it is awesome fun, and you can always find us on iTunes as well. Very good. And, and Shane's our tech guy. And Shane's the tech guy. Shane, where can people find out more about you? Uh, basically, if you want to find anything more about me, uh, just put my full name into Facebook, Shane Robert Gregory. Or you can also type in uh, Nexus81, which is my Xbox Live Gamer tag, and that makes me easier to find. And as Josh mentioned before, I am the tech guy for Raw DLC. The tech guy. Cool. (laughs) And remember, you can always follow me on Twitter if you want to. Twitter.com forward slash Dave McVeigh. And uh, this show is live. So if you want to come along and check us out live, if you're just listening to the audio podcast and going, what is all this, you know, showing stuff to screen and so forth, you can find us at geekactually.com forward slash live. Every Saturday, we start the broadcast day at about 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard, no, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, UTC plus 11, or work it out yourself. In fact, no, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to tell you that it is about 6 p.m., approximately 6 p.m. Pacific Time, approximately 8 p.m. Eastern Time for the American listeners, and approximately, that's p.m., and that's on a Friday for the American listeners, and approximately 1 a.m. in the morning if you're in London. Okay, so, so approximately. These are all approximate times. Check your clocks and dates and calendar makers for more accurate uh, things. Um, and I think that's it. I think we're done. Mm-hmm. I don't have any more to, uh, to spread the wealth. Please, if you're listening live, stay tuned for the film show. If you are listening to the audio podcast, go look for the film show. It's a lot of fun. All right, and uh, if uh, there's nothing more, I think we're going to get out of here. Yeah. We'll see you all again next week.